Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Witnesses saw him kneeling with his hands up. He was kneeling. They said he was kneeling with his hands up. We need justice for Sean Montarosa. We need justice. We need justice for Sean. We need justice now. We need justice for Sean Rosa. We need justice now. Justice for Sean. Justice for Sean Monterosa. Sean was my son. I really miss him. We really love him. And we love him. Please help us get
Folks, I was um, honored to have been asked to take part in the public service announcement, the video demanding justice for Sean Mandrosa. We have seen too much um, death and violence at the hands of the police as we endure this pandemic in 2020. We've also endured this police-demic. And Sean was a victim of the police-demic. Uh, we talk about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and others. Sean was demonstrating on behalf of George Floyd. Um, and Sean, too, is representative of so many cases that we don't even hear about. Um, we know about Sean's because of his family uh, and the gathering for justice, but especially in terms of his family and these two young ladies joining us today on Make It Plain. These are Sean's beloved sisters, Ashley and Michelle. And while we are honored to have them join us, we also know uh, how difficult it is for them to talk about what happened to their brother, but we're thankful to them. Ashley and Michelle, welcome to Make It Plain. Thank, thank you. you, good morning. morning. Just thank you for taking part with us. Absolutely. That picture of the three of you all together is so adorable. How old were you all in that picture? I'm I'm the baby, so I must have been maybe one or two. I, I think you were two. Sean was four and I was six. So we're all two years apart from each other and um four years. Yeah, yeah. Um and, and that those were your parents too in the PSA, right? Yeah. How God bless them. How are they how are they holding up? There, my dad's more of very quiet about it. You know, like his only son, um, the last generation of the last. He was the last boy to carry our last name. And for my mom, you know, my mom had miscarried a boy before having Sean, so then she lost two boys now. So it's very hard on my mom. And both of my our parents are working. It's one of those things where you know, working class, black and brown, like families have no choice but to continue working and just you know keep pushing through and. That's the reality of our home. While Michelle and I are continuing this fight, our parents have no choice but to work to make ends meet. Well, um, it, it, it's, it's hard for me to hear. It's, it's heartbreaking. God bless your parents. Please give them my love. Um, thank God they have you, the two of you. Uh, and I know you all will continue to do all you can to support them. And y'all hear this. They still got to go work. They still have to go to work. See, we talk about people working class folk having to work in the pandemic. We have to work in the police-demic too. We have to go and face these things and uh, provide for our families, even while we're facing this pandemic and police-demic, Lord have mercy. Um, so let's, um, let's inform our audience because again, not enough people know about what happened. Um, let's talk about what happened on the, now, this is June of okay. this year correct yes yes june 2nd okay so let me turn the floor over to, to either one of you tell us tell us what happened on that night well on june 1st around 11 uh was it 10, 11 49 p.m sean sends me and ashley a, um, we shared a group chat and it within our group chat sean sends me the petition link to get george Flush, uh, george floyd justice which is on the change.org petition and, you know, it only takes a minute to do so. So I responded by saying just did it and actually responded with the heart to letting him know, like, we did it for him. 
didn't think anything of it. We went to bed that night and we got a phone call around 1 p.m. hysterically. Or one in the morning. One in the morning um, of someone who knew of Sean's location, what had happened, and hysterically crying, saying that Sean is dead, Sean is dead, Sean is dead. And instantly, me and Ashley like, what? What's going on? You know, we didn't want to jump to conclusions because that's something our family always taught. You know, we can't, you know, react on emotion if we don't have the facts yet or anything. So me and Ashley pulled up because we shared locations on our phone also. So we pulled up the location and said Vallejo. And we're in San Francisco, so it, it takes at least 40, 40 minutes to 45 to get over there. We have to cross two bridges to get over to the city of Vallejo. So we started texting him, trying to ping his location. The person wasn't giving us enough information to understand. So, And this is when we were on, like, shelter in place, but with a curfew here in San Francisco. So we couldn't go out past 8 p.m., I believe. And my dad is over here yelling at me and Ashley, you guys are going to get in trouble. Don't go out. And, you know, you'll do anything for your sibling. I instantly got my shoes on ready and started driving. We drive over there. And it's one of these things where I felt like God was letting us know my brother was no longer here. The whole drive over there. You know, we have a connection with your loved one. And I felt literally like a, the cord was cut. I never felt so sick to my stomach. And Michelle I, was driving and she like wanted to throw up as we were driving. And for me, I had really harsh stomach pains. And, you know, along the road, we were playing worship music and just driving and just praying for the best. And, you know, hoping that our fear hadn't become our reality. And it wasn't until we got to 1050 Redwood Street, which was the Walgreens parking lot, that um, there was an officer involved shooting. But we didn't know what had happened. What had happened. And while we were at, at the scene trying to figure out what happened. Our brother's location was still there. We saw an ambulance, but they didn't let us go through. They weren't telling us much. So they sent us on like a goose hunt, a wild goose hunt from the the Walgreens parking lot to the Kaiser hospital to the police station in which they kept sending us to different places that night around two in the morning, the up, in, up until like 5.30 in the morning, try to get answers. And we didn't get any answers that night. And they sent us to the police station knowing that police station was closed. And they sent us to Kaiser, and Kaiser wasn't giving us any information. And so Michelle and I were just very distraught and just very overwhelmed with what was going on. Well, we felt sick the whole night, you know, and it's one of these things that, you know, you worry. You No one's answering. Um, no one's giving you answers. You know, we went, to the, we went to the yellow tape, and the officers are there. You can't be here. I go with my phone with Sean's picture, and Ashley goes with uh, Sean's location because we all shared it. It says our brother's pink here. And the guy's like, well, we can't disclose anything. Then there comes another sergeant from behind and his little notebook. He said, what's your brother's name? We gave him his name and he just walked away. And, you know, now that we know it's, you know, they knew the whole time my brother was murdered, you know, and it was an instant. It was something so instant. But that night, as we were saying, we felt so sick and nauseous. My mom was back home praying, just letting God know. Like, but my mom, it was weird because, you know, we felt such pain and distraught and, a rush of emotions that my mom when we got home my mom was praying and she said god's telling me the word solo in spanish solo uh which means by himself not knowing what happened we thought maybe sean was arrested you know maybe he just got arrested by himself and you know it's it's crazy you know god gives you confirmations and but before we knew footage or anything that there was only my brother there by himself and it's just and we didn't know yet. You know, we didn't find out till 72 hours after. And we have to find out ourselves. So 
So the morning of June 2nd, around 9 a.m., um, I guess they did a press release on um, one of the news outlets and saying there was an officer-involved shooting. The person was declared dead. And we were just still trying to figure out, calling all the county jails to see if Sean maybe was arrested. We called the Kaiser. They wouldn't give us any information. And it wasn't until I called the coroner's office of Solano County near Vallejo that I asked if my brother was possibly there and I, I, I gave my brother his birth date. And once I gave him the birth date, they confirmed that he was at the coroner's office. So that's when we knew Sean was dead. And the person who answered the phone was surprised that the, that the sheriffs of the police department overall never contacted us. And so this day, to this day, the office has never contacted us. We didn't know what had occurred and how my brother came to be dead until the press conference on June 3rd, which was, 72 hours afterwards, in which they said my brother was. Well, wait, I just want to just pause a minute. You're telling us that the police never, never. formally never. contacted you all? Never. Call? Not even your parents? The only time they, so on June 3rd was when the chief of police, Shawnee Williams, um, did his own press conference. And that's when he explained how my brother died, when he was kneeling with his hands up when an officer in an unmarked pickup truck arrived to the parking lot and shot through the windshield of the pickup truck five times, striking my brother in the neck and out of the head. And so my brother was murdered instantly. And we didn't know any of this information until that press conference. But right an hour or 30 minutes before that press conference, one detective tried to call us and get a statement out of us, but never tried to explain what had occurred that night. Never condolences. And it was one of these things where, you know, like I said, we're from San Francisco and San Francisco has its own, you know, officer involved shootings that happened here. But from Vallejo, there have been since 1997 been so used to sweeping a lot of these cases under the rug. You know, these are just old tactics that they've had already from, you know, day one. And for our family, you know, we're not going to let our brother's name die in vain. But this is things that they've been doing for so long. They've and murdered 37 men since 1997. And it's it just pains us, you know, that it had to be my brother to bring more attention, attention. what's been happening in Vallejo. But more importantly, we, we know our brother, you know, and Sean being and having encounterments with the police in the past, you know, he knew what to do. And as we're always taught what to do, right? Sean instantly knew on my knees with my hands up because I'm surrendering. He could show the sign to surrender, but, you know, there's still officers being employed that don't have mental psych psychiatric evaluations who are very trigger happy you know and it just doesn't nothing nothing in this world is okay for any of this but more importantly to have an ar-15 shooting from the backseat of an unmarked pickup truck as it's driving and you have two officers in the driver's seat and the passenger seat not only are you endangering, endangering these other two people but you know you murdered my brother and this case is very different you know once we saw the footage be released the, the the president of the Vallejo police union ordered the destruction of evidence so we haven't even had we couldn't even have a ballistic report so the trajectory of where Jeraton supposedly you know my shot, through the, shot window, through the window they destroyed and uh tampered with the evidence of the windshield so we our lawyers will never be able to figure out how or the position if they could see Sean um or whatever unless they release other footage. And we know there's other footage, but they're just not releasing that. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, let's do a couple things here. So now yeah. <laughs> you mentioned your brother 
No, let me just go back even further because something you said just stuck out to me. At one point, they sent you to Kaiser. You said, "Yeah, they sent us to Kaiser." For what? What was the reasoning behind that? Do we okay. know? When we went, they said that there was an officer-involved shooting, and they did um, transport someone to the Kaiser. So we went to the Kaiser, and there's a bunch of um, sheriffs, not only from Vallejo, from all these other counties around that apparently they came out to support. Um, so I go approach the officer. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. The officer at 1050 Redwood Street sent us here. I'm looking for my brother, and he's like, who's your brother? I send him a picture of it, and I was like, can I go at least in the hospital? He's like, no, the hospital's on lockdown. Every, every time there's an officer-involved shooting, it goes into lockdown. We didn't know. So I'm like, okay, well, can you please go in there and see, you know, if you see my brother or have any information? You know, we're not from here. We're from San Francisco. We shouldn't even have to be out here. And he actually was okay. You know, he went in and said, okay, I'm going to try and figure something out. Then he comes back, and he says, nope, there's a guy, heavier build. Six six two in there. It's not your brother. And I'm like, okay, well, if he's telling me this, then he tells me maybe he got transported to this other hospital. There's two hospitals in Vallejo. Um, we went to Kaiser, and then the other one is Sutter, I believe, mm -hmm. and it's where they have cancer patients. And when we went there, we after Kaiser, we went to Sutter. They had a security guard at Sutter, and you know, we started asking if they knew anything, if there was anyone transported from 1050 Redwood Street. They said no, but the this um, the security he has the dispatch on, so he's been hearing everything that's happening all night. And he said, you ladies shouldn't be up here, but if your brother's location is there and everything I heard was going on tonight, you guys just need to pray to God that, you know, your fears might be a reality. And that was around four in the morning already. And he said, you know, first of all, you ladies, it's too late for you guys to be out here. And, you know, we're gonna, he, he understood that we're going to do anything for our brother. So... I told him, I was like, do you think it's a good idea if I go back to the scene? He said, maybe maybe some other officer might be on the nicer end and give you some actual answers. So we went back, and he, one of the officers said that there was a bunch of people arrested. There was a bunch of phones, and that he couldn't pin out my brother's phone. And we knew that, you know, by then we knew it was just Sean, so they were lying from the start. And after that, we went back to Kaiser, and we tried asking again. They said no. So then I sit in my car and I'm like, well, should we call 911 and try to file a, a missing persons report? You know, this is all new to us, so we didn't know. And the girl says, well, let me transfer you to the watch commander. She transfers it to the watch commander. He instantly gets on the phone, very rude. He said, who gave you my number? I said, an officer. He's like, they, well, they shouldn't be giving you my number. You shouldn't have it. And I'm like, okay, well, we're trying to locate our brother. They're saying there was an officer-involved shooting at this uh, 1050 Redwood Street. He said, okay, okay, okay. What's your brother's name? And at first we didn't know we should say Sean's name because we've given it out so many times and no one said anything. So we're trying to describe him. He said, mm -hmm. no, I know the name. We say his name. He's like, oh, well, you're going to have to find out on TV with like everyone else tomorrow. Uh, when we said we were impacted family. Yeah. We, he, he at first is, are you the parents? We're like, no, where the sisters were over here looking for him. And it was one of these things where like, wow, that was very rude, right? Like we're <laughs> we rush of emotions looking for Sean and then to have someone who's you know, in charge of like giving you answers and to tell us that we'll be finding out on the news. And that's when like my heart really dropped to my stomach. And I went, we went back home and cause there was, you know, it was already five and 30 in the morning. And I told Ash, I'm like, we're not going to get any answers just being out here. Let's go home, regroup, try to sleep and see what mom says. Cause my mom was up all night praying mm -hmm. and my mom says, God's giving me this peace that I don't understand. 
And that's when she got the word solo, which meant by himself. And it's crazy that we always think back to that day because, you know, we did, it's like we we're getting signs and answers before we knew the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the press conference, you mean to tell me that at the press conference, the chief of police said, they admitted that Sean was on his knees with his hands up. Yeah, and the chief was talking like he already saw the footage. He said, I seen Sean on his knees with his hands up. So he was talking like he already knew what would have really occurred that night. And then oh, a few days after he changed his whole statement, to get in line with the police union statement saying that Sean was in a half kneeling crouching position, aiming to get something that on his waistband and looked like it was a tactical position to shoot. They always say this all the time to cover face. You know, Sean didn't even have a gun. It didn't matter regardless. You know, it's one of those things that you said one thing at first, like you saw what had right. actually occurred. And then you're just trying to get, get in line with the police unions. And one thing we didn't realize, you know, we didn't realize how powerful these police unions were. And, after that, the after the press conference, our boot, our board of supervisors here in San Francisco demanded that the city of Vallejo release the names of the officers involved. And it wasn't until that letter that the police union of Vallejo filed a restraining order to prevent the release of the names being uh, to this day hasn't released. Been, yeah, to this day hasn't been publicly released. It's been leaked, but you know, it's one of these things that. For us as a family, we're fighting to get answers from our brother and, you know, to learn how powerful they are. And we were just like, wow. And it's the first time you hear another city telling another city in the Bay Area to basically put themselves in order and do what's right. And, yeah. So is there footage of that original press conference? Where <clears throat> There's footage of the original press conference. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I'd like to see that because yeah, yeah. that's very interesting. Now, the shooter was in the back seat of the truck. Yes. Okay. You have to explain that to me. So he's in the back seat shooting with people sitting in the front seat. Yeah. And he shot through the windshield with an AR-15 and five bullets shooting out the window. And just one, just one bullet hit my brother in the neck and out of the head while he was, um, on his knees. Was was anybody else hit? No. Okay. So what are they saying they were doing? I mean, wh who does that? And I mean, what? Let me just ask: What is their side of the story that would cause them to shoot through the windshield of their own vehicle? That's what people do everything. Their side of their story was that there was a there was a report of like a looting being done. And so the the truck was pulling up to the scene. And before the car had even stopped, the officer Jarrett Tom was in the back seat of the pickup truck and grabbed his AR-15 and shot through the windshield five times. And the while he shot my brother, the car didn't even stop. And the car stopped after the fact that uh Sean was shot. So he was it was pretty it was like fifty yards but behind you know like it was pretty far and you couldn't even see my brother regardless and he was just shooting just to shoot you didn't see my brother with the gun because he didn't have a gun and regardless you probably didn't even see my brother regardless because it was just so far but you yeah. know these people are just so trigger happy and in Vallejo there's a tradition in which they all bend their badge they bend their star on their um the star that they have to signify how many bodies they all killed and this has been leaked by the ex-chief who was fired by the city, the city 
for being a whistleblower and speaking out on this is not right. Um, these officers go have barbecues mm-hmm. to celebrate and signify when they when they bend their badge. And-, and there's a group of officers in Vallejo that are called the Fatal 14. And there's 14 officers that have killed more than from one person to multiple five people. Um, and they're still on the force and still working. So Vallejo's been getting away with this for such a long time. And for them to have a tradition to bend their badge and followed by like a barbecue and celebration to you know, like it's this huge frat boy culture of like, congratulations, you killed someone. Welcome to the club, you know? And it's one of those things like, what if Jarrett Ton was just shooting to shoot and hoping to get his badge bent, you know, just to join this little club of initiation? Um, the barbecues and celebrations kind of like the barbecues and picnics they would have after lynchings. Yeah. yeah. But it sounds like what you're saying is that that's exactly what he did. He was just shooting randomly. He was. Yeah, he was. Because to this day, you know, it's one of these things where the way Chief Shawnee Williams said at the press conference, right, that he saw that Sean on the footage, wherever he saw it or heard it from one of the other officers, that Sean was on his knees with his hands up. And instantly once, you know, Jared Tons murders my brother and then the car stops, he says, what did he point at us? Oh, I don't know, man. The other guy who was driving said, I don't know, man. And he said in a way like, as code, as like, code, hey, like, he had a gun, you know, or you, you really, you really messed yourself up, you know, and it, for us, it, it was, it was painful to see my brother's last final moments and mm. the fact that they dehumanize us, they dehumanize black and brown men and women that they had my brother handcuffed while he was lifeless. You know, after they hit, they had shot my brother, they put him into handcuffs still. And they tried to... They gave him the wrong kind of CPR. When someone has a wound, you apply pressure. And they were giving him CPR, exerting more blood out of the body. And it was horrible. Yeah, and it, it's one of these things, too, where Vallejo, you know, it, it's been happening for so long. And it's just hurt. You know, it's painful. It's painful to watch because we... We've seen our brother have run-ins with officers. You know, we've seen how they mistreat our brothers and sisters on the streets. And it's just different when it's one of your own loved ones. And um, you have to see all this. And, you know, as we're, like we say, we're turning our pain to power and continuing this fight and really ensuring that we're the last family in Vallejo that has to endure this pain because this has happened for too long. And we feel like with Sean's last text message of sending us the link for George Floyd to, you know, can you get George Floyd justice? And just like his last text message was to get George Floyd justice, you know, our message from that was now we're going to get you justice. And it's kind of like he passed the baton to us and was like, you know what, here's the tools and run with it. And, you know, it's been six months now and we've accomplished a lot, you know, thank, thank a huge thank you to the community and, you know, to the man above that we've had that we have the strength to get up every day and do the work we do. And, it's been six months that we've gotten the DA to recuse herself, who's been justifying all these murders. And we've gotten arrested at the governor, Gavin Newsom's home, uh, two months ago. And finally, yesterday, we got our charges dropped. Um, but it's just one of those things where impacted families shouldn't have to continue to put their bodies on the line just to get what simply should be a given, you know. And a lot of these politicians get silent hush money to vote no on legislation. And we've just been exposed to so much within the last few months that, you know, we're just in awe of what we're doing. And, you know, we're also we're not just doing it for Sean because we understand that so many people can be Sean. And, you know, Sean has been a bunch of other people that we're not just fighting for Sean. Like, yes, justice for our brother, but it's part of a bigger thing. And it's part of, you know, fighting for a bigger system that has been deeply rooted since 500 years ago, you know, when. 
police were started as slave capturers, you know, so this, we, we're very clear on, you know, the vision and, and the goal. The goal is abolition eventually, you know, but for now we can defund and re- reallocate funds to black and brown communities and businesses. And yeah. Well, you know, don't say defund. <laughs> Joe Biden, everybody says, oh, that costs us seats. But see, I know something different. Yeah. Everybody I've talked to who's a pollster and deals with these numbers yeah. said that defund actually mobilized more 18 and 29 year olds to get out and vote. And that's what counts. So we don't need to yield on none of that. So I appreciate you not letting that go. So let's just go back for a minute again. You got the district attorney to recuse. Yeah. Two weeks after our brother was murdered, we pulled up to her office. We pulled up in a yellow school bus <laughs> randomly. We pulled up in a yellow school bus with like 40 people slapping Lil Boozy, F the police. <laughs> and then we turned in a whole petition and like our lawyers turned in a whole packet of, you know, recommending her to recuse herself, not just in our brother's case, but in Willie McCoy's case, who was also murdered in Vallejo. And he was shot 57 times a, a year before my brother. And he was just you. he was just sleeping in his car at a Taco Bell. Um, and wow. yeah, so we've gotten her to recuse. We've gotten Nancy Pelosi to speak out uh, and demand the FBI of Sacramento to intervene, although we don't want the FBI to intervene. It's just one of those things that Na- Nancy Pelosi is a dinosaur and she doesn't really speak out on much. <laughs> You know, but at least she's speaking out on, you know, our brother's case. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're not disturbing the peace. We're disturbing people's silence. And people have been silenced for way too long. And, you know, we're just upsetting the setup. All right, y'all. So they said two bad words. They said defund. <laughs> they said Nancy's a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Uh- <laughs> you know, but it's one of these things where we... <laughs> As impacted families, you know, we have all these people who have been off in office for far too long. And there's been so many murders by police. And here in 2020, under, a, a, like you said, a police-demic and pandemic. COVID, COVID. You know, that we're seeing, you know, these conversations we may have had a couple of years ago. People were like, nah, forget it. You know, yes, say their names. But, you know, people turn their cheek. And now it's, as we're in lockdown, you know. People are, have to see it. You can't just turn your cheek anymore. You know, there is a lot of performance art and performance activism. We understand that. But for impacted families, like Ashley said, we have to continue to put our bodies on the line. And that's what we need to build that bridge between impacted families and politicians. You know, yes, you can say our loved ones' names. And but give us our condolences. But where are the actions? Yeah, you know, condolences are meaningless gestures if you don't put your, your work to what your mouth is saying. So... Oh, so that's three things now. Defund <laughs> data store, and they just called out performance activism, y'all. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel you on that. That's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. So, okay. Where is the officer now? What is, what's the officer's deal? So, Still a month, or what? so a month after he murdered my brother, he's back on the force. He's working. Uh, we don't know if he's on the streets or like in a, a desk, desk job. job. But it's one of these things where as a chief, he has the power to fire this individual. You know, they have the power to do what's right. And they keep talking about de-escalation, transparency, and all these things. But where was that when all your team pulled up on my brother, you know? What if Jarrett Tan pulled out of the car and just de-escalated the situation? You know, what would have been the outcome? You know, Sean would have been here to tell his story versus us having to do that for him. Unbelievable. Um, The demand that we put out on the PSA to was for there to be a special prosecutor. Um, it, it, it let let us tell our audience why that's 
important. I mean, it's really necessary. The DA's recused. Yeah. These other people in the system you can trust. You really need a special prosecutor. So from the beginning, um, our attorney has reached out to the AG's office for about five years to intervene and see, look over what's been happening in Vallejo for far too long. They've always declined. They've always declined. Until my brother's case is the first time Javier Becerra, the AG of California, said he will intervene and look into the murder of my brother. Then, you know, this was what like, wow, someone's actually going to do something that's in the right. Right. And be a part of history. And this is when his he said, no, my office will just look at the police, uh, how the police are um, in Vallejo, but also just the destruction of evidence as the murder itself is not anything important for him. And the after Krishna Abrams, which is the D.A. of Solano County, recused herself, she bounced the case to the AG's office. The AG bounced it back to her and said, And it just became this game of like the oh. game of political, like hot potato. And they've been passing the case back and forth. And it wasn't until, you know, we, it was a four month uh, anniversary of our brother's uh, murder that we were like, you know what? Let's just figure something out ourselves. Let's organize and see what we can do. So we pulled up to the to Governor Gavin Newsom's home and got arrested with 17 other protesters. And we, our, our demands were to appoint a special prosecutor to fire Jarrett Ton and to fire those that were involved in the destruction of evidence. And it wasn't until then till we really got a lot more attention, um, especially from Gavin Newsom, him being a San Francisco native, being our neighbor or our mayor, and then just being our governor now, you know, you would think that he would be on the side and hear out and pack the families and stories. But here we were welcomed with 30 plus officers being arrested, spent 23 hours in County jail, suited up got put in our pods and everything and it was really and i had a moment to myself when i was like wow sean you know i don't you know i was praying to god and i was like things we have to do to get an answer and it wasn't until we got the attention from gavin newsom that he kind of like nudged ag becerra and uh the attorney general didn't do much until maybe two weeks ago that he had agreed to have a sit down with finally with our family but two days after he agreed to have that sit down with us was when he got promoted to be like the health advisor for Biden. So it was just one of those things like, are you just trying to tie up loose ends so you can say you did this and now you're going to, the, to D.C.? Or are you are you really trying to do what you need to do? And so it's just one of those things like these cases take a really long time. But, you know, we're not letting up and we'll continue to target who we need to target to get to the goal. And there's something as AG that Xavier Becerra could do. Right. Yes. He could do and it right now. He could do it right now. He could, from the start, he could have been like, I'm investigating full on the whole murder of Sean, by, you know, putting criminal charges on Jared Tom. You know, they have the power to do that. So for impacted families, it's like back to how I was saying, you know, they say our loved ones' names, but don't do anything about, you know, they and justice delayed is justice denied. So, and we've been waiting for six months and there's families who have been waiting for five plus years and so on. So, you know, it's just one of those things where we're pushing for Sean to get justice, but you know, let that be a dom domino effect for all these other families. But also, like I said, building that bridge with these politicians, because at the end of the day, impacted families deserve a seat at, a seat at the table and to build their own table. We need to build our own table to push for our own, laws and legislation to hold these officers accountable. So I wonder if we should raise objection mm. to Xavier Becerra's appointment as Secretary of Health and Human Services until or because 
you know, he does something on behalf of your brother. But then, but in order to make that decision, do we, do you all know, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I don't know off the top of my head. So if the AG leaves, mm -hmm. does the governor appoint the successor or do they hold a special election? The governor appoints someone. So he's going to have to appoint someone for AG and Senator now because Kamala's also in DC now. Yeah. So it's one you see. Yeah. So, so it, it's kind of a, a two pronged strategy. Yeah. Um, raising the issue at his confirmation. We need to find a senator right. um, that will do that in the confirmation hearings. We, that's one thing. I'm, I'm, y'all. We sometimes my shows turn in the, in the movement meetings. I'm sorry. That's one. Yeah. Two, light up Gavin Newsom and yeah. say that qualification number one for whomever he appoints must be someone. That qualification must be. That they will take up your brother's case. Yeah. Um, I think those are the two things we need to do, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, is he's been far too silent. And not only with my brother's case, there was a three week span here in California where three Latino men were murdered by the hands of police and he still has has yet to say anything. Um so for us it's you know, we're not gonna let up, we're gonna keep fighting and how Ashley says, how my brother was, it's either fight or flight, you know. Are you going to keep fighting or just going to, you know, not do anything about it? So mm -hmm. he gave us too many tools, you know, and as, as Ashley said, he's lit up this torch. And, you know, also his last text message to that he left on this earth is also bringing unity back, you know, unity back between, between the black community and the Latino community. You know, there's and, so much anti-blackness in the Latino community that needs to be addressed as well. And, you know, while we're fighting this fight, we're letting people know that you know, the Latino community, especially like, don't wait until this happens to your own kid, because this could happen to anyone. And, you know, you have to have hop on this like fight in this movement before, you know, your your loved one's gone. And then you're you're like, wait, I wasn't there for that, but I'm here for this now. You know, it's one of these things right. where we can have, like, bring that change and bring this have this domino effect. And, you know, Sean, people know Sean on June 2nd, but they never knew Sean before June 2nd. And he wasn't he was just a community member. He went through, he was the type of kid. He's like, if there's a bunch of resources, I'm going to take them all. You know, he, he was always like, I need a knowledge of books, you know, programs, you know, mentorship, mentorship is key. You know, whatever you learn, it's, it's only, you only really see what you do when it's passed down. And that's what Sean valued. And it just sucks that. Rob and all that. Um, wow. Um, it, it, it you mentioned anti-blackness, but folks, Sean as was a brown brother standing up for a black brother. So he was killed the same way the black brother was killed for whom he was standing up. Um, so we need to get rid of all of this anti on either side because it could be one of us. And literally these two young ladies, suppose their brother had invited them to go demonstrate with him. So it's now it's no longer a thing. It could have been. It would have been if they had been there with him, they probably would have been shot, too. OK, this is how close to home these situations are and 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 why we must get involved. So I know what I'm going to do as soon as we finish. I'm calling some of our mutual friends and saying, y'all, we need to get in this confirmation hearing. And we need to light up this governor about the replacement. 
<laughs> but uh, aside from that, um, uh, what would you like uh, Ashley and Michelle to leave our audience with? What what actions would you encourage our audience to take hearing you today? More, more importantly for us, as we said, and reiterating is really don't wait till it's on your own loved one, you know, and, and just because, you know, we got Biden and Harris in office does not mean it's a, the work is done. The work is done and it's a clap and I go back to my nine to five and live in my beautiful Victorian home or wherever. Right. And that's what we see here in San Francisco for impacted families. It's, you know, this is our everyday commitment. A lot of people get to choose and when they come into this fight because it's a trend, you know, you know, but it's one of those things, like Michelle said, don't wait until it's one of your loved ones and don't get involved until it's too late. Uh, if you know any impacted families, you know, bring them food to their home. You know, it's hard to grieve and do the work and just go to work just in general and just even cook a meal. It's just easy as that or donate to impacted families, you know, or just support however, however way you can. If you're a graphic designer, offer your graphic design, you know, skills to help do flyers or whatever. You know, there's there is like Carmen's Carmen Perez from The Gathering always said there's a place for anyone to contribute and to join this movement with whatever gift and skills they have. So there's somewhere you can contribute, you know, and, and more importantly, you know, as of right now, you know, follow the justice for Sean underscore Instagram page. That's what we really post and keep everyone engaged and involved in what's happening in our case. And, you know, just going on the fight for Sean, but also, you know, we have the gathering for justice helping us. We have the G- grassroots law project helping us out, you know, so, and, just don't wait. You know, it's unfortunate that, like I said, a lot of this people pick and choose when, and it's a lot of performance, but you know, and also we need to recognize people don't know, right. They've never been exposed to this. So there, there might be a little bit like, well, where do I contribute? Right. And it's just, just as long as you come with love and open arms, the community is willing to find a place for you and just carrying this conversation, you know, more importantly, and bringing unity back and strength in numbers, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. Yeah, yeah. I admire uh, the strength and the courage you both have. I know it is not easy. I'm emotional listening to the two of you. I cannot imagine being in your position, um, having to do what you do, and at the same time mourn your brother uh, who was taken from us just such a short time ago, but we do appreciate you. Um, I think I speak on behalf of everyone listening. Uh, We are here for you folks. We have got to get involved in this. Gathering for Justice has a PSA. I helped them out um, a little bit with that. Um, Is is there any other, is there any specific website? Do you all have a website? Is there a place where you want to send people to? You can go to the gatheringforjustice.com slash justice for Sean. Um, we also have a stand with us, stand with Sean.com, um, also website, and then pretty much just our Instagram page. Um, we have a link tree in our bio where you can get directed to petitions, ways to donate to our family. We also have a sh- ju- social justice library in honor of our Sean where you can donate so we can purchase books to give back to the community. Um, and that's where you can help out. And what? Sean, you know, oh, go ahead. What's what's the Instagram handle? Justice number four, Sean S E A N underscore. Got it. What about Twitter? You all on Twitter as well? Yeah, same for Twitter. Same name. Twitter. Justice for Sean underscore. Um, 
please, folks, uh, get involved. We're going to be sharing even more of this with you, pushing this out, um, because we cannot wait uh, for the next incidents to happen. And what these two young ladies have done is shine a light on that whole police department, because obviously there are countless impacted families. How many have you said police have been killed there in the past? 37 37 black and brown men have been murdered since 1997. And the 14 officers that have murdered not just one person, but more than one person are still on the force and surveilling and driving around underserved black and brown communities. But, you know, because we're in San Francisco, they don't target us. They target the other families that live in Vallejo to this day. If a family member out there speaks out, they're at their doors with bright lights just harassing harassing them at 3 a.m. So... It's one of these things that we're going to keep going. We're going to keep putting the microscope on them. And Vallejo is the third highest in California with the most murders. You know, they they are the highest here. And it's just not right. And we need these elected officials to really put their foot down and do what's right. You know, make communities safe. And also, we need to protect ourselves within our own communities, you know, and just finding, finding ways to heal and you know, this work that we're doing is our way of healing. You know, you said how it hurts for us. It, it hurts for us to, that we have to commit. We have to do this, right? But for us, we know God's given us strength and we're healing as we go. And we just want to make sure that there's no other impacted family that we meet in Vallejo anymore. Yeah, yeah. Ashley and Michelle Monterosa, thank you for joining us. We're praying for you. Audience, please pray for them. Get involved to go on Instagram and Twitter, justice for Sean, uh, underscore stand with Sean.com, gathering for justice.com slash justice for Sean. Visit all of those Sean Monterosa folks. We're going to lift up his name uh, and we're going to fight, fight on in his memory. Um, God bless your parents. I can, I can't imagine what they're going through. And as these parents have to go to work every day, Folks, you know that you know their lives have to go on. They have to continue to provide for themselves and their children. <clears throat> so let's keep them lifted up as well. Ashley, again, thank you for your strength and your courage. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. God right. bless you guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.